I don't know if there's been as much anticipation over a sermon series as this one. Normally, we let you guys know what we're going to talk about, and I get a handful of people that come up and say, hey, I'm really interested in that and can't wait, so on and so forth. This one, I've had lots of folks come in. How many of you guys just have read the book? How many of you have read the book? Okay, not that many. Well, that's very disappointing. Uh, I was hoping that more people would read it so we could actually kind of talk about it while we're here. But hopefully, uh, as the sermon series progresses, you guys will be motivated to buy it the book. The book essentially was written by a couple of guys who interviewed a group of folks about what their perception of Christianity is. This is mostly non-Christian, but also Christian. And this book, essentially, the chapters in it, is a perception that the world out there has of Christians that's, that's enabling them to reject Christianity. That's causing them to say, I don't want to have anything to do with church Christianity, anything to do with any of that. And so what we're doing in the next few weeks is sort of going through each and every one of these. And no, I'm not going to tell you which one I'm going to preach on which Sunday because I need you all here for every one of them. I can't have you pick and choose, okay? I know there's been some much anticipation about me addressing the whole accusation that the church is anti-homosexual. And we will be addressing that. What does that mean? I'm not going to tell you when I'm going to do that, okay? So you're going to have to come every Sunday to find out when I'm going to talk about that. Today we launch a sermon series by talking about this premise, the accusation that the church is judgmental. How many of you guys agree that Christians and churches, okay, well, we pray this in Jesus' name and uh, let's go home. We all recognize that we are judgmental, aren't we? What does it really mean? Let me begin here. Let me begin here. Normally I read the scripture passage and then I go, but today I'm going to do a little differently. Let me tell you what the world normally thinks of when they say Christians are judgmental. And for those of you that are not Christian, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, many of you will continue to come. I want to talk to you for a moment because when most people say Christians are judgmental, they in some ways say you can't have any opinions about other people's faith. You can't have any opinions about what other people believe because if you have opinions like they're wrong and you're right, you're judgmental. I want to talk to you for a moment. Is, is that really accurate? Here's what I mean. When people say stuff like, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and you claim absolute truth, you're being judgmental. You have to be tolerant. You have to be open to people of all other faiths. The interesting thing about that accusation to me is that the very same people that are saying there is no such thing as absolute truth are at the same time making an absolute truth claim. How do you know there's no such thing as absolute truth unless... You had knowledge of all truth that would enable you to know that what Christians are saying. You see what I'm saying? So you can't say there's such as absolute truth without being in danger of the fact that you might be making a truth claim yourself, which is there's no such thing as absolute truth. So if you want to be consistent, you can say we're open to all truth claims, even Christians who believe that there's such thing as absolute truth. You with me? Sorry to hit you with that, like, right up front, but I needed to get that out there, you know? I need to get that out there because we do. So what does it mean to judge? Well, the New Testament word, it, krino, it means a number of things. It can mean condemn, and, and there's some meaning of that. And it could also mean to evaluate, discern, krino. And this is why this thing is so hard, because some people think this judgmental is having an opinion. Well, if that's what it means to be judgmental, to have an opinion, then, then we're judgmental every second, every moment of our lives. You guys, some of us were judgmental like a hundred times coming to church today on the train. You know, she shouldn't be wearing that. She can't wear that. You know. 
Isn't what it means to be judgmental, to have an opinion about something or someone or somebody? And some of it's harmless. You know, we say stuff like she couldn't wear that. Or for me, coming driving, you know, somebody cuts me off and, and I have an entire life story of that person in my mind, you know. They probably grew up in this kind of a home, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's so easy and it's so natural. Am I the only one? It's so easy and it's so natural. But here's the other thing. You know, you know who's really bad at this? Christians, we are probably the worst at this. Let's just admit it. And I think part of the reason why, and you guys have heard me talk about this, is because we are so religious at the core. We are so religious and we don't embrace the God. What do I mean? Religion, religious, religion sort of looks at the world as good people, bad people. How? By set of these do's and don'ts we have in our minds. And if you do some of the goods or do's that I do, well, you're a good person. And if you, if you do more of the don'ts in my list, you're a bad person. And so being religious sort of perceives the world as behavior, external, what you do, what you don't do. And, and it just causes us to make value judgment. And, and then we think we're right. That's the worst thing about being judgmental. We think that we're right. We think our judgments are true. And then here's this thing, right? Being judgmental. There's a small part of us, for those of us who grew up in church, we kind of know deep down inside, I shouldn't be doing that. Gossip. I'm going to talk about gossip. I'm going to hammer gossip today. When we gossip, there's a part of us that says, gossip is one of the primary ways we're judgmental. Part of that, oh, I shouldn't gossip. I shouldn't say this, you know. And then there's this part of us that reminds us. Jesus said, don't judge somewhere, I think. So I'm, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be doing this. But at the same time, there's this thing of, Peter, but, but there's sin in the world. There's injustice. There's evil. Somebody's got to say something. I have a close friend who's heading down the path of destruction. You're telling me that I can't judge. I can't do it. I just need to sit here. and ex- What do we do? And then there's this. Have you ever been on the other side where you've been judged? It's just a glance, you know, somebody just kind of quick glance. I get that a lot. When I go to like pastor's gatherings, you know, before I said big hair and all this other stuff, I get to look like he can't be a pastor. Or, you know, they're tell- they have this story in their mind about, oh, he probably grew up in this kind of a family because all pastors do that. It's our problem, right? For those of you, I mean, it's, it's a quick thing, but, and you feel terrible. We all do. Well, you know what that's like. Wives, your mother-in-law comes into town. It's a quick glance, you know. And it's that whole thing of, well, I didn't raise my children like that. And I'm making judgments about how you're raising your children. And then there's this. This is kind of weird. And then there's this. Have you been out with a group of people, Christians or not? You're at a restaurant and you're ordering drinks, right? And the waiter comes by. And then says, I'll have a beer. And then they all go around and they order like apple juice and orange juice, you know, and like Coke, right? And you're sitting there and you're like, okay. And you know what they're all thinking. They're all looking at each other going, he's a drinker, right? All that. There's that stuff, right? There's that. But have you ever been on the other side though where you're out with a group of people and you order Coke and everybody else orders a beer and alcoholic beverage. You know what they're thinking? They're looking at you going, are you a Christian? Are you like too holy? Like too good? And some of you guys say, I wish, I wish I was on the other end of that analogy because we've all been there. Here's the interesting thing about judgmental. There's a long intro, guys, because there's a point to this. The thing about being judgmental or being judged is that you never get to tell your story. 
You never, when somebody gives you that look and you're being judged, you never, you never go to, oh, I saw that. I saw that. Let me tell you where I'm at. Let me tell you the story of what I've been through. Let me tell you what today has been like for me. You never get to say that, do you? No. Here's the other thing about judging somebody. When you judge somebody, when you've been judged, when you've been judged, did you ever feel at that time like, you know, you just made me feel so small and so, so miserable that I think I want to change. You've just made me feel so worthless that I think I want to be more like you. Judging doesn't make you want to change. It makes you want to go to the other direction. You know that. I know that. Judging doesn't pull somebody towards you to want to change. Judging just pushes them further and further away. Let's be real this morning. Why is the church in America in the situation it's in? And I'm not making a blanket statement. There's lots of great, healthy churches. But from the evidence, overwhelmingly, do you know that from the ages of 18 to 29, that age group in this country, about 30 million people, less than 2% attend church regularly. That means 98% of your peers have nothing to do with the church. Why? Because they feel judged. And in our attempts to help them, in our attempts to change them, in our attempts to want them to be more like us, we are driving them further and further and further away from the very thing that we want them to embrace. And we're going, but they have behavior that needs to change, and the Bible says so in the verses. And they're going, I don't care. Because you're judging me. We've sat in both chairs. We've been the judger. I'm not going to tell her that, so we're all going to gossip and we're going to collectively talk about her. But I can't say anything to her directly because if I did, that would be judging them. So we're going to just judge them collectively. (laughs) You ready for today's sermon? Yeah? Black church today. Can you say preach? (laughs) That was so lame. Matthew 7. Open your Bibles. Matthew 7. Oh, boy. There is so much always I want to say, but uh, we'll just have to. Okay, so do not. You all there? What I'm going to do today is I'm going to just read verses, few verses, stop, read, stop, make comments, okay? Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, speaking of kingdom living, says, Do not judge. Say that with me, ready? Do not judge. Now, is that a blanket statement that says don't have opinions about people, don't confront people about wrong, so on and so forth? Interestingly enough, in verse 6, down verse 6, Jesus calls people pigs and dogs. So it's not saying you can't say anything about anybody. He says there are times if you're jumping ahead, don't come, come back, come back, because it's not what Jesus is really saying. It, Jesus clearly is not saying you can't have opinions about people and behavior and what they're doing. That's not what he's talking about. What does he mean when he says do not judge? 
Here's what he means. In the book of Matthew, Jesus gives an interesting analogy of a tax collector and a Pharisee that goes up to the temple to pray. And the Pharisee says, God, I thank you that I am not like him, a sinner. Judgment. Why? Judging somebody, this is very important. Judging somebody is not just assessing somebody's position, assessing somebody's beliefs. Judging somebody is assessing a person. Let me say that once more. Judging in the context of what Jesus is talking about, it's not assessing a position that someone has. It's judging them and, listen to this, it's dismissing them as a person. You judge when you say to somebody, I don't have anything to do with you. You judge somebody when you say, get away from me. And we don't have to do this blatantly, outwardly. We do it in a way that sometimes trivializes them. In our hearts and attitudes, you look at a group of people saying, you're inconsequential because you're not my type. You're not my class. You're not my kind. You with me so far? Being judgmental is not assessing someone's position and what they believe. Being judgmental, what Jesus is saying is you're dismissing a person, a person, and saying, get away from me. You may not say it, but you're saying you're inconsequential. You're not my type. You're not my class. You're not my kind. Or, Jesus says, you too will be judged. Interesting enough, Jesus doesn't say here by who, does he? He doesn't say, do not judge or you too will be judged by God. It's inferred. But he also says, do not judge or you too will be judged by the people you judge. He doesn't articulate that. Why? It's not the point. The point is not who's going to judge you. That's not the point. The point actually comes in verse 2 when he says, For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the measure you use, this amount, weight, it will be measured to you. Now, listen to this. This is so practical. Well, this isn't just if you judge at the end time, God's going to judge you. Yeah, this is so practical for today. What Jesus is saying when you say do not judge, he's not saying you can't have opinions about people. What Jesus is saying when you say do not judge is you can't confront the wrongdoings in people and gently, lovingly tell them. You, it's not any of those things. When you judge somebody, what the principle that Jesus is talking about here is he talks about in verse 12 in the summary of this, this, this passage where he says, treat others as you would have them treat you. The principle that Jesus is talking about here is that when you judge, make sure you judge them the way that uh, you want to be judged by them. When you judge, make sure you judge people in accordance with the way that God, you would want God to judge you. You tracking? Very practical. Now, <laughs> I know how I want to be judged by other people. <laughs> Let me take it further. I know how I want to be judged by God. When I get judged by God, I want God to take into consideration everything. I want God to take into consideration the whole story. Not just the thing that I did, but the whole story. I want God to take into consideration where I grew up. I want God to take into consideration the family environment I grew up in, the mom I had, the dad I had. I want God to take into consideration what I had, what I didn't have. I want God to take into consideration the fact that I came to this country when I was 10 years old. And for the first six, eight months, I felt really stupid because I couldn't speak English, right? 
And that that did something to me and made me very racially prejudiced against a certain group of people. I got to take into consideration that when I was in ninth grade, I tried out for the baseball team, made the final 40, and then got cut by the coach. And that that made me really, really competitive inside. So when I play sports, sometimes I act like an idiot. (laughs) And people are going, is he a Christian? He's a pastor. He's a what? I want God to take into consideration the fact that I was really insecure about, you know, with the ladies when I was growing up, which really made me very, very self-conscious about how I look, so on and so forth. And it still haunts me to this day. I want God to take into consideration everything so that when I stand before God, God will look at me and go, Peter, he didn't have a chance. That boy didn't have a chance. Look at his family. Look at the way he grew up. Come on into the kingdom, you poor kid. <laughs> Don't you want to be judged like that? Don't you? It's all innate. We all have it within us. When people judge us, we want to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Have you taken into consideration the whole story? Do you even know who I am? And Jesus says, listen, 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 that's how you want God to judge you right now. When you judge others, remember that you do it in a way that you would want God to judge you. You want to do it in a way that others would judge you. It's so practical, isn't it? It is so practical. And then he says in verse 3, okay, why do you look at the speck of dust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. Listen, listen, this is a powerful principle that will hurt, but it'll heal. You ready? The whole point of that verse 3 is the first part, where she says, why do you look? In other words, she's saying, why do you even care about that in that person the way you do? Oh, this is good. He is saying, what? What? Would you look at your irrational? Why do you care about that in that person the way that you do? What is it? (laughs) You know the... We could literally end right here and just spend some time doing group therapy. You know what he's saying? He's saying, listen, he's saying, why is it? What is it? In other words, he's saying, what is it in you, not them? What is it in you, Christian, not them? About that, that's got you so fired up. That's got you so mad. That's got you so angry. That's got you so jealous. That's got you so gossipy. What is it in you, not them? And he's saying, perhaps there's more to this issue than just their problem. Perhaps the issue is something going on in you. And not necessarily them. Perhaps what you see in them, oh, is a reflection of something in you. No! Oh, yes. Perhaps your judgment attitude about that, that is more a reflection of something that's going on in you. Why are you so motivated to look at their problems? Do what you know what we say? 
He said, I don't have any, but I don't have any problems. What problems? What problems? No, they've got the issues. They're messed up. They're heading down a path of destruction. They, and she's like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait a minute. What's going on in you? Not them. Can I just give a blatant example? Well, she, she, she shouldn't wear that. Could it be possibly because you can't wear that? Ladies, I'm going to pick on the guys a little bit, okay? So I'm not just picking on the ladies. <laughs> I actually had a woman come to our church who said to me, she's not longer at our church, was really bothered by the skimpy clothing that the women in our church wear and so on and so forth. And you know, I, I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, I know that sometimes, whew, you know, because some of the women that, some of you guys that come to our church, I understand it's hot in here and you want to be cool, you know, uh, and in some ways, some ways, it is distracting to some of the men in our church. But this woman was just off the charts, like, just angry. And I just said to her flat out, I said, is it about them and what they can't wear? Or is it more about you? And she left our church. <laughs> Truth hurts. Are you guys tracking? Look, when you have something in you that just bothers you and you're judgmental and casting opinions and attitudes, Jesus is saying the first line of response is stop. Look at yourself in the mirror and ask what's going on in me about that. Look at verse 4. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? And again, if your response is, wait a minute, what plank in my eye? I don't have a plank in my eye. They have, you, Jesus is saying, just stop, wait for a moment and ask yourself this question. Is the thing that's bothering me about them a reflection of something in me? Now, if you've been sitting here and you're just mad right now, you're just mad at me, you're just mad at me, you're just mad at me, because you're saying, are you telling me, are you telling me that I, every time I see something, something it's me, it's about me, it's about me and not anybody else? Now, I wouldn't quite say that. The point of this is not that. The point of this is this. Jesus is saying, could it be that? He's not accusing you, saying, you do have a problem. He's saying, could it be that when something riles up inside of you, judgmental of what they dress, how much money they have, how much money don't they have, what car they dress, where they, where they live, and what they do, could it be, could it be, could it be? As a reflection of something in you and not them. When there's something about you that irritates me, could it be that I have an issue? Could it be that I have an issue? And, 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 and would we ever get to a place, you guys, where our posture is, God, what do you see in me that I see in them that you want to do something in my life about? Is there? You know, I sometimes wonder what would happen, you guys. Uh, what, 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 what would happen? 
if we got this principle seriously? What would happen if all the Christians in America, as soon as they had that judgmental thought, paused from all the, all the Christians in America, looked in the mirror and asked, God, what's going on in me? Not saying that they don't have an issue. Not saying they don't need truth. Not saying they don't need to be confronted. But God, before I need, what's going on in me about that? What would happen? Verse 5, Jesus goes on. Finish. You hypocrite, first, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You did, look, so for some of you, this is encouraging. Jesus is saying, yes, there are issues. They do have a speck in their eye. There are issues in their lives that needs to be addressed. Jesus is saying, I'm not saying that they're perfectly fine. I'm not saying that they're not maybe heading down path of destruction. I'm not saying that there aren't things in their lives that needs to be addressed. But first, say it with me, first. Look in the mirror. And if you're not willing to do that because you're too insecure, too confident, too self-righteous to do that, then Jesus says, don't even bother. Don't even bother. You guys, isn't isn't it true? Isn't this why much of the culture in America has written the church off? It's not that they don't see the problems in themselves. It's not that they don't see that there are areas in their lives that they need to deal with. What they don't see is the Christian's unwillingness to look at themselves in the mirror. What they don't see is the church with the humble, repentant attitude that says, what about us? Where do we err? What's our issues? Where's our problem before we start judging other people? What would happen to the witness of Christians in America if more Christians in the church, before we judged anybody, take a step back and said, what are the issues in our lives? And what do we need to do about that first? People are not listening to us because we lack the same self-awareness that we're accusing them of. We're saying, don't you see that? And they're going right back. Don't you see that? Mom. Don't you see that, dad? Don't you see that, husband? Don't you see that, Christian friend? Is it a surprise that we have lost our witness in the world today? People are looking at us, you guys, and saying, look, I'm not saying I don't have a speck in my eye, but you know what? Before you can come and help me, look at yourself in the mirror once in a while. Look at yourself in the mirror once in a while. Verse 5. First, take the plank out of your own eye. First, take the plank out of your own eye. This is a principle. Look, listen. When there is something about you that irritates me, chances are that I have an issue. Very simple principle. There's something about you that irritates me. The chances are that I have an issue. Maybe about that very same thing that bothers you, that bothers me about you. Maybe when somebody drives you crazy and you just are tempted to just go off on them in judgment in your mind and in your words, Jesus is saying, stop, pause for a moment, because maybe the problem is that I have something in my own eye that's hindering me from seeing clearly to help the person. Are you really concerned about somebody today? 
Are you really concerned about their lives and where they're going? Are you really concerned about a group of people in our society and our culture? They're heading down path of destruction and doing harm to our society. First, what? Write them? No. First, what? Email them? No. First, what? Call them? No. First, what? Do so- First, look in the mirror. First, look in the mirror. Train yourself to ask. But I'm not the problem. I don't have any problem. Well, none that you're aware of. He's sitting there going, is this what the rest of the sermon series is going to be like? And oh, this is light compared to where we're going. <laughs> then Jesus says, then you will see clearly to remove the speck. You know what, guys? This, this is very... Look, the fact that you and I have come to terms with our own issues, our own falls, our own failures, our own foibles, the fact that we have come to grips with that and acknowledge that, that's what makes us the perfect candidate to address it in someone else. Can I say that once more? That's Jesus' whole point. He says somebody does need to address them. Somebody needs to, but you know what? I'm trying to prepare somebody. And the way that somebody's going to get prepared is somebody is willing to look themselves in the mirror and say, God, what is it about me that I need to be dealt with? What is it about me that needs to change? What is it about me, God, that you need to do something in my life? Because then and only then am I the candidate to go and talk to that person about that issue in their lives. First and foremost, look in the mirror. And ask the question, God, is there a trace of that same thing in me? Okay, let me say that almost more. When something bothers you about somebody, say, is there something, trace of that in me? And how do you know? Pay attention to your emotions. Does it, does it get you angry? You know what? It's not their anger issue. It's yours. I just hate the fact that he always has to hog the spotlight. That he always has to be the center of attention. You're bothered because what? You want to be the center of attention. You want to hog the spotlight. Can I tell you what uh, my issue is? Prideful people bother me to no ends. They just block me. I just have no tolerance for arrogant, proud, just people. Do you know why? Because I'm proud. I'm arrogant. I'm cocky. And when I see that in other people, it bothers me because I'm like them. What about you? Why are you so jealous? Is it really, is it really, is it really them or is it Something going on in your heart. For those of us that are saying, oh, we only get one more verse, you know. For those that are saying, but Peter, somebody's got to say something. Come on. I'm the fixer type, you know. I'm the fixer type. I'm the truth-telling type. 
somebody got to say something. Okay, well, one more verse. Verse 6. He says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then churn and tear you to pieces. You guys have heard me talk about this verse perhaps before. This verse has been more misused than any other verse. Dallas Willard in his book, Divine Conspiracy, talks about this. Most of the time, the way the church has understood this verse is the pearls is truth. It's the gospel. It's the precious things of the kingdom. And you shouldn't throw to pigs and dogs, meaning people who can't appreciate the truth. You know, because if you throw things to people that can't appreciate the truth, well, it's just a waste, right? So don't throw valuable things to people, pigs and dogs, that can't appreciate the truth. If that's the case, I have a big issue with the Bible. Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come to earth? Why leave the comforts of heaven and come? Because Jesus experienced all the stuff that we just talked about. Jesus came with pearls, truth, valuable things of the kingdom, good news. To a group of people who rejected him. To a people who clearly couldn't understand, appreciate. To a group of people who were not worthy of it. What this passage is teaching is not worthiness. It's helpfulness. It's not about whether they're worthy. It's about are you being helpful? What do you feed pigs and dogs? Scraps. You feed, them, you feed them slop. You feed them food. You don't feed pigs pearls. What happens? You feed a pig a, pig a pearl, they'll bite on it because they're real hungry, try to swallow it and choke on it. And in return, they're going to turn right around and come after you. Why? Because at least you're edible. At least you're edible. The principle behind this is this. It's about not worthiness, but helpfulness. In other words, don't push truth on people. Don't shove it down their throats. Don't demand that they get it the way you got it. Don't demand that they get it the way you understood it. In the time frame that you understood. In the way that you want them to get it. Don't shove it down and say, you better. Because if you do, this Bible, this passage is, they're going to turn and bite you. And you deserve to be bitten and eaten. Because you don't know the difference between speaking truth in love. And simply speaking truth. If you only speak truth. Without love, that's not truth. That's falsehood. Do you know why? Because the very embodiment of truth, God himself said, God is love. If you don't speak truth in love, you're communicating to them loud and clear, this is not truth, this is not true. Because they see zero grace in you. So for those of you that are the fixer types, I love telling the truth type, I'm preaching to myself, that tell people what to do. Here's what a friend of mine said. I called an older friend of mine, a covenant pastor in his 50s. I talked to regularly. He's like a mentor figure. And as I'm prone to do once in a while, I just went off on some of you guys, you know. <laughs> I'm totally gossiping. I am. Bordering on slander. I'm just... And he just listened and listened and listened, you know. And he was real quiet. And I was just like, hey, hey, you there? You there? What do you think? What do you think? And he said to me, has even a principle that stayed. He said, I want you to do something for me, Peter. He said, next time you're sitting across that person and that person is just irritating you to no end, that person is just draining you, 
That person is just deserving of your full on, just truth telling. He said, remember that that person is a soul created in the image of God sitting in front of you. Remember that that is a soul. A soul. Not just a name, not just a body, but a soul. (laughs) And of course, I had the audacity to go, well, that's just stupid. Tell me, what? What do I? What? He said, no, 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 no. He said, Peter, we'll talk in about a month. I want you to approach every interaction asking that. That's a soul in front of you. Remember that you don't know their story. You only know yours. You don't know what they've been through. You have no idea what they've been through. You only know your story. You don't know theirs. So don't talk and pretend like you do know their story. You only know yours. You only know yours. One last hurtful thing before the healing comes. Here's how you know if you are failing to recognize that that is a soul. Here's how you know you're being judgmental. Three very practical ways. You ready? If you're sitting here, somebody that's saying, well, I'll forgive them, but I'll never forget. That's like saying, I really want to kill you, but I can't, so I'm just going to have nothing to do with you. Judgment is dismissing someone saying, get out of my life. I don't want to have anything to do with you. That's what you're saying when you say, I'll forgive you, but I can't forget. Are you somebody sitting here this morning and you need to forgive somebody? And maybe you have, but you're saying to yourself, I won't forget. Do you know what true forgiveness is? It's bearing the cost, the payment of forgiveness to yourself and not demanding anything in return. The cross showed us that. Are you sitting here going, I can forgive, but I'll never forget? You are judging. Secondly, we're judging. Fail to recognize a soul when we fail to be merciful. How many of us have been in restaurants where the waitress made us wait like 30 minutes a little longer? And what do we do? We're stone inside and we're just going, when she comes, I'm going to give her a piece of my mind. Or for those of us that are chickens to do that, we say, you're going to get no tip. (laughs) I make you pay. Did you ever think about this? Have you ever thought about this? I'm speaking to myself. Have you ever thought about when that happens? Have you ever thought, maybe just for a moment going, maybe she's got a ton of things going on in her life. I have no idea about. Have you ever thought, maybe, maybe she just started like two days ago and she's just learning the job and she's just struggling and struggling and struggling. And maybe the very last thing that she needs is somebody just to tell her off because she's gotten that all day for two days. Maybe what she needs is somebody, a Christian maybe, who will say, I don't know your story, but I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Instead of treating you like what you deserve, I'm going to extend grace. So I'm going to give you actually twice the amount of tip that you actually deserve because that's what God does for us. Lastly, 
This is going to hurt. Gossip. Gossip. How can you possibly help somebody by gossiping? How can you possibly help that person that you're talking about by gossiping? How? You know what gossiping is? You know what gossiping is? It's a way for you and I to feel superior about ourselves to other people. That's all this is. Because we lack the foundation and anchor in which our security is found, we use cheap and fake ways to feel better about ourselves. And the only way to do that is you gossip, you gossip, you gossip. I want all of us to make a commitment today as a church. If you're around somebody that begins that road, you say, shut up. It's not helpful to anybody. If you don't feel comfortable saying shut up, say, please be quiet. Or if you really feel comfortable doing that, go, ha la 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 la. Don't do that. That's immature. <laughs> in all seriousness, there have been people in this church that have been deeply hurt because they've been gossiped upon. And, and, the, and, the, and the terrible thing is, you know what we do? <laughs> we go, oh, it's a prayer request. Oh, yeah. Let's pray for her, you know. Let's pray. See, I had dinner with her, and she said these. I keep picking on with guys. We, I, I had dinner with him, and he's going through a lot of things, you know, these things. And I wouldn't want to gossip, so let's pray together. This is what he's going through, so let us pray. Please, just stop. Just stop. Stop it. How do we solve this? I have to end with this. Is it New Year's resolution? I'm going to stop being judgmental, number one. No, the only way we're going to be able to stop this, please get this, the only way we're going to be able to stop, the only way we're going to be able to improve work on this area, if you will, and I hate putting that word work because we, you know, pulled by the other bootstraps. It's actually found right there in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, the pearl. You know what's so powerful about the pearl is actually it does speak a valuable truth. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells a parable about the kingdom. And he uses the analogy of the pearl of the kingdom. See, here's the thing that we need to recognize. The only way that our hearts will melt, the only way that our hearts will transform from being judgmental is if you realize and embrace the gospel. Can we just do a quick review? Remember the gospel of Jesus Christ? The gospel of Jesus Christ says, on one hand, although we are more wicked and more sinful than we dare believe, Transformation comes when you and I can be honest with ourselves. That's the only way that transformation will come. If you and I are honest enough to admit, you know what, I'm not any better than him. I'm not any better than her. If you really want to know, I've got these 10 lists of things I struggle with. They might not be the things that you struggle with. There's humility born of embracing the gospel that says, I am more wicked and more sinful than I dare believe. I can't fool God. And humility comes over you. And you realize, before you, 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 you oh, mirror, mirror, wow. But it can't just end there because some of the most judgmental people I know are people with low self-esteem. 
Some of the most judgment people I know aren't people superior, you know, no, I think I'm better. Some of the most judgment people I know are people with low self-esteem, so insecure that the only way they can feel better is by tearing other people down. And she not all that. Who does he think he is? And the only way to heal that is the second half of the gospel, which says, why? Although I'm more wicked and sinful than I dare believe, I am more accepted and more loved. And I dared hope. The thing in me that longs for that acceptance, that validation, that, that I don't get from God because I don't believe it. The very thing that causes me to want to judge other people so that I can feel better. The only way to heal that is for you to come to a deep acceptance of being melted, your heart being melted of the fact that God accepted you. Man, think about what judgment is. Judgment is saying, depart from me. I want to have nothing to do with you. Do you realize that that was what God should have done to us? And yet he looked at Jesus, the Son of God. And on the cross, God said to Jesus, depart from me. You're excluded. With all the sins of the world, Jesus, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Why? So that God can look at you and me and never again ever say, depart from me. No matter what you do. No matter what you do. The only thing that will heal you It's when the truth of the gospel that we know here melts our hearts that we are more wicked and sinful than we dare believe. But in Christ, we are more accepted and more loved. One last thing. If you're somebody that's sitting here today and you're saying, you're that person that's saying, I don't want people to judge me. And could it be, could it be, could it be, could it be that there is that one person who's coming to you not out of superiority or to judgment attitude, but could it be that that one person comes to you out of love and says, I've been through what you've been through and I don't want you to go down that path. Is it possible that that one person that you've been, uh, don't get, is it possible that one person could come to you out of love and speak truth? Is that possible? And is it possible that that one person doesn't have an agenda to make you feel this? But that one person's agenda is to love you in relationship, to speak truth into your life. Because do not judge is one part. The other part is we are to help each other take the speck out of each other's eyes so that we could see more clearly to do the work of God. Bow your heads. And pray with me. I speak to two people this morning in prayer response. One, I want to apologize on behalf of myself and Christians and the church that you've interacted with. If you're a Christian or not, and you've ventured into this church for the first time in weeks, months, maybe years. Forgive us for our judgmental attitude that has pushed you away. I want to ask that you cut us a little bit of slack because my guess is that you've probably done the same to us. And we're both in the same mess boat. And then for those of us, secondly, Christians, And as you sat here this morning, as much as you try to resist the Spirit of God, Spirit of God, Spirit of God is here speaking to you. In the next moment or so, 
Would you pray? Would you pray for yourself and your heart? Not for anything else, but that you would come to see anew, afresh, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. And allow that to melt your heart, to melt your heart, to melt your heart. To melt your heart. To melt your heart. God, we come to you this morning. And Lord, first and foremost, God, I repent of my sin, of judgmentalness and judgmental attitudes. I repent, God, even for the words that I've spoken, even this morning, God, or not pleasing to you. Forgive me, Lord, for treating other people far from their worth, failing to recognize the beautiful, incredible soul that sits in front of me. And I pray for all of us in this church. God, I believe that we can change this city for you. If people were able to see grace-filled, truth and love-telling group of Christians who are radically, passionately in love with you, And rather than judging, embracing the most broken, the most messed up, the most wicked and evil among us, and loving them with the love of Jesus. Because that's what you did for us. Will you do that? Will you do that? Will you do that? Everybody, let's stand together as we close and singing this song of response. God, be with us in this journey. We're just starting. For some of us, will you give boldness to invite those friends that don't consider themselves Christian? Give us boldness, God, to invite them as we go on this journey together. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen. Mary couples, please sign up for the retreat. Ministry team folks, we'll see you over at Michelle's Ballroom for lunch. Have a great, great week, you guys.